There's going to be a massive run coming off this one car four. Byron top to bottom, hugs that white line, drifts up and comes to the line. He oh. wins it as Busher, Haley have a hard crash into the wall. Big oh my Whoa. goodness. Whew. Now I can take a breath. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are going to take a look back at Atlanta, how that race unfolded. We're going to break that down quite a bit as there is a lot to talk about in the NASCAR world around what we saw at Atlanta, a lot of surprises, and how we did in our bets. So we'll start there with the recap. Then we got to set our sights for the next race it's the first road course of the year so we're going to take a look at some stats around road courses over the past year or so and then it's time to talk circuit of the americas coda is what we call it for short we're going to start talking about the picks there and our strategy this week for how to make a bet and talk about winners talk about top tens all the finishing position bets you know there's a few wild cards there we could talk about and then, of course, head-to-head matchups. We've been pretty good this year on the head-to-head pick, so I'll try to keep that momentum going as there are a few, at least one specifically, that I'm really liking this week. And then, at the end, we are going to have a great conversation with our resident F1 expert, Frank. F1 Frank's what we'll call him. And we'll talk about checking in with him because he visited with us last year for the Coda race to see if we could make him a NASCAR fan. So we'll talk about that, see how that went, and then talk a little F1 as that organization is back up and running. Their season opener was last Sunday. So we'll talk about maybe making some money this week on some F1 racing. We'll see. So that conversation with Frank will be at the end. So let's start by talking about Atlanta because all I have to say there is just wow. You know, they actually pulled it off. They got what they wanted. They turned this mile-and-a-half racetrack into a super speedway. A lot of people did not think that it was possible. I really thought that it was going to turn out to be kind of a mix. I thought they would be really super speedway racing, you know, in the pack for a lap or so, and then they'd get strung out, but it was real deal. Like, this was just like Daytona and Talladega as far as the unpredictability, the wrecks, the taking it really out of the driver's hands and it really would end up being i guess you could say six super speedway races now on the schedule with talladega and daytona and now atlanta very crazy um i actually got the invite our friend derek at picks by blaze on twitter and instagram he we realized recently that we live pretty close to each other he sent our family an invite we actually went up to visit derek and his family it was great and watched the race up there for a little bit. It was a long race, long enough to where I couldn't even get to finish it at Derek's place. Uh, I had to head home, put the kids to bed. So it was a very long race, but both Derek and I, you know, watching that together, we were in agreement. Like, this really is working out in NASCAR's favor. It was a combination of the, the new car and 
the track reconfiguration, just everything coming together to get them what they wanted. So a lot of had to be customers if that's what you were looking for. Um, and there's, you know, more of a conversation to be had around that. But as far as the winner, we had William Byron, who Derek called out on, on excuse me, on Twitter the morning of. So um, I was riding with that pick. I did not call out Byron on the podcast, but um, after seeing Derek's breakdown, I threw some money on him. So we were both pretty happy about that outcome. Um, did turn out to be a bit of a wreck fest, you know, just like the the regular super speedways. It was kind of a survival situation for a lot of these guys, and some of the bigger names getting knocked out made it a little tough. So the question is other mile and a half racetracks. Are they looking at this and saying, you know, we want to reconfigure too? As a fan, I don't know, or as a gambler really, I don't know if that's what I would want them to do because I think what we're seeing at these other tracks that we had in the schedule so far that this new car really brings a, a different element to it. These races are, for the lack of better way of saying it, less boring than they have been in the past. So do we really want them to, you know, put all these tracks in and make them reconfigured so that they're all super speedways? I, for one, think that this new car is good enough to really make each race interesting in itself. So you've, you've got the big four super speedway races. Now you got Atlanta. It's kind of a wild card there as well. But I'd like to see kind of more what we're seeing at like Vegas and Auto Club so far where, you know, the drivers have a lot of control into what happens there. So I'm happy with what we saw at Las Vegas, or excuse me, what we saw at Atlanta, but I wouldn't want any quick reactions and some brash decisions being made by the powers that be to turn any of these other tracks into super speedways. I think what we're seeing is that people who are mad at racetracks for being boring, it wasn't really the track in the past, I guess you could say. It was really the, the car that was really the problem. So that is uh, something for NASCAR to consider. Maybe we go back to some of these tracks who got eliminated from the schedule. In any case, looking back at our bets from last weekend, I mentioned Byron is your winner, and uh, Derek was was big on that pick there. My favorite bet of last week was Chris Buescher for a top ten, and that hit. He was you know very consistent throughout the day and. Came home with the top 10, so you could have got him plus 350, I believe, on Barstool at some point last week. That was a, a good hit there. We faded Ricky Stenhouse on pretty much any head-to-head -head matchup that you could find across the different sports books, and that ended up paying dividends as Ricky, you know, when he wrecked, I kind of said to Derek, like, yeah, this guy, it's, it's every race, these super speedways, it happens. We talked about how people consider him a super speedway guy, but... He really hasn't been getting the finishes. And, you know, I was kind of laughing, saying, like, it, you know, of course, he, he does it every time. But really, that wreck was not his fault. Um, I think he, he cut a tire and, and lost control. So uh, in any case, though, if you did fade Ricky, you probably worked out. Our head-to-head -head matchups, uh, we went 2-1 and one on our podcast picks, 4-2 and two on the day for our race day parlay. And uh, if you, you know, add them up there, 4-2 and two, not too shabby if you're betting them individually like I was. Cole Custer was the one on the podcast uh, picks that hurt us. He went to the garage, and I said to Derek, I didn't even really see what happened to him. It kind of happened maybe when we weren't paying attention, but uh, it also kind of serves me right for hating on Harrison Burton. He pulls out the victory in that head-to-head -head matchup, even though Burton, um, I don't believe, got too good of a finish. I could be wrong, but Cole Custer was the one that killed me on that one. Still went 2-1. and one. 
last week on the podcast. Um, Brad Kozlowski just missed a top 10. We called him out. I said, you know, this could be it for me, picking Brad. He ended up coming through in a way. He wasn't completely dismal, so that was interesting. Uh, just missed there. And, and Austin Dillon, he wrecked and, again, not part of his own doing, but got caught in somebody else's wreck. And that was really tough to watch for somebody who had him in the top 10. That car was very strong early on. The fact that the race was just so long, though, really turned out to be a true battle of attrition there because uh, if you're going to make any edits to Atlanta moving forward, I think it has to be a, a shorter race. And from what I've seen, a lot of people agree with that. It was just so long for these guys to be in survival mode that, of course, you're going to have some of these bets get wiped away like that. So at the end of the day, it was a, a good day overall, and um, it was you know fun to watch, fun to bet on, and you know, the odds makers were right, making it kind of a crazy um, long odds for everybody type of deal. And hey, NASCAR pulled something off. So good all around at Atlanta. So we'll be going back there later this year. We'll see if they can do it all over again. So now we're going to turn our attentions on CODA, Circuit of the Americas in Texas, just outside of Austin. And last year was the first race that they ever ran at CODA. And a lot of hype around it. You know, that is where the F1 race in America was always at. Um, up until this year, F1 has two races in America, but, you know, consistently at Coda. That's one of the reasons why we're bringing Frank on this year. Had him on last year to talk about it. Just kind of that um, overlap between the two series. And a lot of hype around NASCAR going there last year. And in my opinion, it was a bit of a letdown because we've got rain that basically wiped out the whole weekend. The Xfinity race, to my memory, was a complete shit show. And the cup race was really a bit of a letdown as well because the rain dominated the story, including the ending. Um, Chase Elliott was your winner, but they shortened the race due to some heavy, heavy rain while, you know, they were trying to get the race complete, but there was a caution and then the rain just completely took over. So that's how the race came to an end. So the fact that you had the rain playing such a heavy factor at this racetrack, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I want to see how they're going to handle the rain. We haven't seen that very often. And then as soon as it really got started as a gambler, I was like, oh boy, I don't like this whatsoever because my bets are going to get screwed up here. And, you know, that's really exactly what happened. So you can't really cling too much to what we saw last year. Uh, maybe, you know, I mean, if you got guys that finished well, yeah, that's a feather in the cap and green flag speed. You know, if you're able to pull off a, a good race car in those conditions, that's something you can maybe cling to. But, um, for the most part, when we're preparing for this week, we want to look again at all road courses when we're going through the, the track stats. And then as we're getting into the specific drivers and the picks that we're making and the reasons behind it, I'm looking back at the last 10 points paying road course races. So we'll talk more about that in a second. But let's look at the track stats in the history of the Cup Series, 78 road courses. Uh, they've run mostly Sonoma and Watkins Glen, but up until recently, we've had just those two. Now we've got a, a little bit more to play with. The winner has started on the pole on a road course 15 times. It did not happen at all last year. Top five, the winner has started there 55% of the time. And in the top 10, it's 70%. So qualifying this weekend going to be very important 
at this racetrack as far as the gambling is concerned. Starting outside the top 20, it's even more important because it's only happened three times in the history of the Cup Series out of 78 races. But it happened at Road America last year when Chase won that race. So keep that in mind, you know, as qualifying is coming up. If you bet on a guy before qualifying because you like his odds and he's outside of the top 20, you might want to find somebody else to throw your money on to try to hedge that bet. Manufacturer trends, Hendrick obviously dominated last year with Chase and Larson, so that gives way to Chevy. You know, throw Almondinger in there as well last year. Chevy's really on top there. Toyota snagged the other wins last year, and Ford is actually really struggling. If you look back at the last 10 races, they don't have any wins on road courses, so you might want to fade the Fords this weekend if you have that opportunity. So, I'm excited to give this race another shot. Um, I really think that the layout of Coda is pretty fun. You've got a lot of elevation changes. They've got that long stretch of the downhill and then the uphill stretch, just like so different than the other road courses that we're used to. I know that Watkins Glen and Sonoma do have a lot of elevation changes, but this seems like it's so dramatic in the camera angles and the way it looks. Um, there are a lot of hard turns that put the drivers to work. We saw it last year in the rain, you know, made it even more tough. Saw some guys going flying as we'll, we'll talk about when we get to a couple of those guys. But um, last year, Chase and Kyle Larson finished 1-2. And no surprise, because those guys dominated all the road courses last year, it felt like they are by far the heavy favorites going into Coda this weekend. Chase is going off at plus 250 on most books, and Larson is plus 300, um, specifically on DraftKings, what I have up in front of me. So that makes picking them pretty obvious, right? I mean, you don't want to be left out. I think I'll find a way to throw money on both those guys. But I thought for the podcast today, you know, anybody can just talk about how great they are on road courses. But, you know, there's a part of me that says, hey, let's, let's get some better value here because the thing is, after Larson, there is an enormous jump all the way down to plus 1,000 for the next guy in line. So I'm thinking, you know, for the hell of it, let's start trying to call out what you would call long shot at plus 1,000 and beyond. Because this season, we saw that this car can obviously bring more people to the front and give them more of a chance. So we'll see if that's the case in the road courses. Like I said, I'm not completely fading Chase or Larson by any means. I'll throw some of my money on them in some way. But let's talk about some of these other guys who could possibly get it done if it's not Chase or Kyle. So that's where my head's at going into the picks this week, trying to find who might play the upset or the spoiler to those two guys. So the first guy that I'm going to call out here is I think someone that I called out at Coda last year, uh, and that's Kyle Busch. He's going off at plus 1,000. There's a few guys that are going off at that number, and Kyle is one of them for good reason. Um, Kyle was someone who very easily could have won last year's race. So let me just kind of remind you how everything played out last year because it was really just a pit road strategy gone wrong with the elements that ended up doing Kyle Busch in because he came in to pit Earlier than others, Chase stayed out, and you know the the weather came, the caution came, and Chase was able to snag that win under caution, rain shortened race. Whereas if that race played out fully, Kyle Busch, who finished tenth, 
everyone thought that, you know, things were going to circle back around and he was going to go back to the lead. So Kyle very much had himself in position to win that race if it was to go all the way through. That's how I remember that race playing out. Um, so pit strategy just really didn't go in his favor, but it's not just about that is why you'd want to look at Kyle a little extra hard this week. Looking at the last 10 road course races, he has no wins, five top fives, six top tens. His average finish is 12.4. That's good enough for seventh in NASCAR. And his driver rating is fifth, 101.8. And something about the driver rating stat that you should probably keep in mind is that you know the top five guys in driver rating are all in the hundreds and there's a big drop off to six it goes all the way down to mid 90s so you know kyle being part of that top five group there in driver rating really says you know he's somebody who can get around a road course his green flag speed in 2021 we're going to look at that stat on average i think i tweeted that out earlier this week to try to give you a sense of like who was good last year on these road courses Kyle at Circuit of the Americas was 14th fastest as far as green flag speed. But looking at the full course of the year, his average puts him third out of everyone, only behind Larson and Chase. His green flag speed average was 7.0. So what I'm getting at here is plus 1,000 is really great odds for Kyle Busch. If he goes out and he qualifies and practices well, you're not going to get him at that number. So I'm taking a little bit earlier uh, in the week here and hoping that he's able to put together a good race and get it done, put the car in victory lane. This kind of fits the mold of 2022 when we're kind of seeing like new names win, but they're also like not totally off the beaten trail. Uh, Kyle Busch is a newer name as far as like recent winners, but he's still a big name. So he kind of fits what we've been seeing here with, with Byron and Bowman. Briscoe was a, a new name, but you know, still with a, a relatively larger team. So you kind of get what I'm saying here. Bush would be someone who's like, oh yeah, he's back. Let, let's see it. So those numbers to me really scream at me. And that value is really what stands out to me. So if you were the third best guy last year, in green flag speed at road courses, I'm looking pretty hard at you. So plus 1,000 for that 18 car, lock me in is my first pick. The next guy, I'm going completely off the rails. This is someone who is a real long shot this week. So, you know, want to throw that out. Haven't really taken any major long shots this year, I don't think, on the podcast as far as picks to win the race. But Ross Chastain. Stands out to me. He's plus 2,500. Could you imagine hitting this this week? Uh, He was a force last year at this racetrack in the 42 car. He really was someone who was battling and was not getting bowled over by some of these other guys. And, you know, there's a reason why he's worth taking a long shot on, a bit of a flyer here. He's got nine career road course starts, one top five, three top tens. But some of those starts weren't in very good equipment. His average finishes in his career, 20.1. That is, you know, not too great. But if you just look at last year in the 42 car, he definitely improves a little bit. All three of those top tens came last year. And his top five actually came at Circuit of the Americas. He finished fourth last year. He led four laps. He had a great race at Coda last year. So, That, to me, I expected to see him further up than plus 2,500. I was shocked when I saw that. 
So he was third in green flag speed at Coda last year, in addition to finishing really well, and last year as a whole on road courses, right? It wasn't just a a one-hit wonder at Circuit of the Americas. No, he was eighth in average green flag speed last year on all the road courses. So all of those things have me really looking at Ross Chastain, plus this year. He's been performing so well. Like, he's always in the mix now. And after getting Briscoe uh, to victory lane, it feels like the the natural uh, NASCAR fandom is kind of like, okay, well, when's Ross going to get his win? When's Reddick going to get his win? Like, those three guys are kind of like the newer guys poking their heads in. And, you know, this is a racetrack that I could see Ross getting it done at. He's plus 250 to finish in top five. That's intriguing. And if you go on Barstool, you can get him at plus 100 for a top 10. So all of those things look really good to me. But if you really want a long shot pick, I'm liking Ross Chastain this week at plus 2,500 for all of those reasons. So hopefully, uh, throw some money down on that. And he comes through. It's a nice ticket to get the road course season started off well for you. The last guy that I'm going to call out to win the race, again, we're looking for anyone other than Kyle and Chase here, Kyle Larson that is, Uh, the last guy I'm calling out is Christopher Bell, plus 1,600, another huge number, and this would, I guess, be considered another wild card pick. Looking at the high-level stats, he kind of maybe slips through the radar. Uh, He does have a victory, but for the most part, he might not catch your eye. In the last 10 races, when we're looking at that data point for everyone, he only has eight starts. He has a win, two top fives, four top tens. His average finish is where you might overlook him, 17.5. That's way down the list in comparison to the rest of the guys in NASCAR. But last year, he improved that quite a bit. He had four top eight finishes last year in seven races. He won the Daytona road course. He finished second at Road America. His average green flag speed in 2021 was fifth out of everyone. Fifth. So if you're looking for someone who's a little bit different, a little off the beaten path, here's your guy. He's ninth in drive rating. 87.9 is his number there. And, you know, looking at all those numbers together, that average finish obviously isn't great, but four top tens and eight starts on road courses in his career. He's got a victory, knows how to get it done. Second and first, you know, last year in two different road courses. Very good stuff. That's what you want to see. And it's the green flag speed stuff for me um, that really jumps out at you. Now, rough season so far this year for that 20 car. But wouldn't this be just the perfect place for them to kind of recalibrate, get back on track, and, and really bounce back? So hopefully, you know, I think he ran into some problem last year with the rain. Let's hope that there's no rain for Christopher Bell this weekend because if there isn't, I would say that he's got a, a true chance to win this race at plus 1,600. He could be uh, one of those guys playing upset and battling up front for that win. Now, if you don't like that, if you don't like the opportunity at at cashing a huge ticket, why don't we go back to the same matchup that we had in Phoenix? Christopher Bell, he's minus 135 to take on Alex Bowman, and I like that matchup. We're not going to get into Alex Bowman's stats here, but uh, because I like Bell... I would take him in this matchup. Uh, if I like him to win the race, you know, I'd have to take him to win this matchup. So uh, minus 135 against Bowman is another option for you if you're not feeling as risky. So to round out the picks to win the race here, I'm going with Kyle Busch plus 1,000, 
Christopher Bell plus 1,600, and then the super long shot, Ross Chastain plus 2,500 to win the race. Let's go. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. So next, we're going to get into some finishing position bets, and we've done pretty damn well this year in this section as well, hit on that busher pick last week for a pretty big number there. And I already mentioned Ross Chassain, plus 100 to finish in the top 10. I, I do like that. I'll probably throw some money down on that as well. Now, I just wanted to do a quick PSA around top 10s. If you're going to bet on the top 10s, make sure, and you have the ability to kind of shop around, make sure you're using Barstool's uh, book for that because their top 10 values are much, much better than what I'm seeing by the likes of FanDuel, uh, if they even offer top 10s, DraftKings, MGM, you know, Barstool definitely has the best odds for top 10s. Not across the board, better odds, but just top 10s for whatever reason. Um, they like to have a little bit more fun there. So keep that in mind when you're placing these bets because you do see a huge difference between Barstool and some of these books. Now, this section has really turned into the top 10 section, but before we do, there is one thing that I just want to call out. If you are someone who is just fading Chase this season or you are not a Chase Elliott fan, Barstool offers uh, to choose whether someone will be in the top five or not. And Chase is plus 125, the only good value out there um, to say no, not a top five. So if you're feeling you know, really frisky and you think Chase is going to really not come through for you here on the road course, or you just really want to bet against that nine team, there's your bet. Not top five is plus 125. It's probably the best bet you'll get uh, betting against Chase this weekend, that's for sure. So just want to throw that out there. I don't think I'll be taking that because I, I really do think Chase, this is kind of like a, a wait and see scenario. And I think we said the same thing last year, you know, first road course of the year. Let's see if Chase can capture that magic from the year before and he went out and won the race uh rain shortened nonetheless but that was something that we we're looking for last year kind of looking for the same thing before i'm going to bet against him i want to see what he comes out the gate with here with the road courses so throwing that out there for anyone who does want to bet against him now getting into some top 10 picks the first guy that i'm going with is kurt bush he's plus 140 on barstool he's plus 130 on DraftKings. That's really what he caught my eye on. And Kurt is just a sneaky good driver at road courses. I don't understand these odds. It's really just very confusing to me. Looking at his last 10 road course races, he's got five top fives, six top 10, so 60% percentage here for what we're looking for. His average finish out of everyone in NASCAR is fifth, 11.2 on road courses. His drive rating is eighth, 90.5. So those numbers right there should say, wow, you know, to finish in the top 10, you'd expect them to be like minus 200. No, you're getting really good value for Kurt Busch. Um, to finish in the top 10, it just doesn't make sense. Now, Kurt, last year, his race was kind of ruined. He went for a ride. If you remember, towards the end, he was the last caution, I believe, that ended up you know, ending the race, but he just went dead straight. Somehow he saved. He went right through where you make a left-hand turn. He just kept going straight, kept it 
off the wall. He didn't wreck the car and actually kept the momentum going driving through the mud. So um, it could have been way worse for Kurt. He was able to, to keep the car going, but definitely not as good as it could have been. And if you do remember, he just missed like wrecking two cars in that process. So a really great display of driving, honestly, um, after he made it into the grass to keep that car going and, and salvage whatever he could there. Uh, but that's how his race kind of ended last year with a 27th place finish. Definitely could have been way worse. Now, he finished fourth at Daytona Road Course last year, sixth at Sonoma, fourth at Road America, and sixth at Indy. We're talking about a guy who's plus 130, plus 140 various books this week. Like, that's unbelievable. Four top six finishes last year out of seven races. These are great odds. And, you know, if you don't think that he's going to finish in the top 10, because I'm calling him out here, he's minus 140 versus Harvick in a head-to-head matchup. If that's more your style, I would definitely give Kurt Busch all the attention this week. Because, like I said, he's sneaky. He's not getting the respect he deserves at road courses. I think they're looking at how he finished last year at Coda and not really uh, thinking too much into it. So, opportunity here for you to maybe cash in a little bit on Kurt Busch. The next guy I'm looking at, the the difference between the sports books really speaks to me here. It's Tyler Reddick going off at plus 100. Good value for you as the gambler on Barstool. On DraftKings, he's minus 120. So that big discrepancy there tells you that there's something to this bet. There's some good value here if you can get it at plus 100, and it tells you that this guy is actually better than those odds are you know, giving you. So um, opportunity for you to cash in. Last year on the road courses, he was very, very good. In seven races, he had four top 10s. And last year at Circuit of the Americas, he finished ninth. He got that top 10 last year. He was very much a factor in that race. He was consistently in that top five, top 10 section. Um, When you go back and you look at where these guys ran last year at Coda, he was a factor. He was a a top 10 contender the whole way through. He did not luck himself into that uh, finish. So something to be said about that. His average finish in his last eight road course starts, 14.9. That's good enough for 12th in NASCAR, so that's right around what you're looking for in a top 10 pick here. And his green flag speed last year at road courses is 12th. So looking at the data, looking at you know the progression of last year, it definitely seems like Tyler Reddick is starting to figure it out a little bit more on road courses. So things are starting to click. Things are starting to click with him all around. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, we mentioned it when we talked about Chastain, like when are these guys going to get their victories? I'm not looking for Tyler to get the victory. He's going to be going off at a pretty big number. I think he's plus 3,000, but plus 100 to finish in the top 10. I'm all over that. It just screams to you. So lock it in. Tyler Reddick in the eight car in the top 10. Now, the last pick that I have here, I'm a bit uncomfortable. Um, I'm actually kind of more leaning. I, I want to see more. I couldn't find anybody that like really jumped out at me for a, a last, you know, a third top 10 pick. So this is a lean right now. Austin Sendrick, he's minus 139. I'm uncomfortable because of the lack of experience, the lack of data that we have on him, the lack of success. I know he's had a great Xfinity career, especially on road courses. Um, they ran him at a few road courses last year in the 33 car. And, you know, 
wasn't unbelievable. You know, I think a lot of people thought this was his first road course start in the cup last year at Coda. And a lot of people thought he was going to come up and really contend for the win. He was contending early on, but then kind of got caught up in some stuff. And his green flag speed at Coda was not great. So that's what kind of has me a little weary here. He's plus 1,400 to win the race. And that's one of the top five guys on the book. So minus 139 to finish in the top 10 on Barstool it's just a little steep for me. You know, I, I don't think there's a good enough track record that we have on Cindric to be able to say, you know, I think they're relying a lot on his Xfinity series success. So I think a top 10 is doable, but you know, you got to be careful when you're minus money here, top 10. He finished ninth in the Indy road course last season in the, the cup series. So that's you know, one little thing that you can kind of hang your hat on to say, yeah, he started to figure it out later. He's in much better equipment in that two car. Brad Kozlowski in his career has had some decent success in that two car on road courses. So a lot of uh, different things that you could say to say, yeah, this is worth that pick. But that's why it's a lean. I want to see what he goes out and does in practice and qualifying. I think last year they did allow them to practice. I, I could be wrong there, but uh, I think because it was a brand new course, they allowed them to do that, and I think he did do well at that session. So uh, we'll, we'll see what his odds are after that and kind of go from there. But, uh, you know, he was a factor early on. He kind of just faded. So that's why I'm a little skeptical, a little uncomfortable, but I'm still going to call it out as something that I'm leaning towards. Austin Sendrick in that two-car minus 139 to finish in the top 10. That's where my head's at right now with that one. So to, to recap the top 10 picks, Kurt Busch, plus 140, top 10. Tyler Reddick, plus 100, top 10. And then Cindric the lean, minus 139. You serious, Clark? So let's round out our picks this week for Coda by talking about some head-to-heads. And I've got three different matchups and three different stories, really, that we're telling here. So we'll kind of explain because we're, we're getting into some uh, matchups that – you know, hit me in different ways. So the first one that we're looking at, I'm getting creative on this one. It's Michael McDowell minus 150 versus Bubba Wallace plus 130. Now the odds to me in this matchup are a little bit strange. Coming into this race, before the odds even came out on like Monday, I was looking at McDowell and I'm saying to myself, I need to figure out a way that I can take him this week. I'm not sure if it's going to be top 10, not sure if it's going to be in a head-to-head matchup. Definitely not going to win the race, but you know, wanted to see how I could throw some money on McDowell and make some money. The thing is, this matchup, this is the only matchup that he has on any book that I can find right now versus Bubba Wallace. Their numbers are almost identical. Average finish, McDowell has 21.3, Bubba 22.8 on road courses in the last 10 races. Now, looking at McDowell specifically in the last 10, he's got two top 10s two top 15s, four top 20s. Bubba Wallace, no top 10s, three top 15s, four top 20s. So very close. He's got a little bit more there, you know, more top 15s. But again, right near each other. Their driver ratings are uh, a bit skewed. McDowell has that advantage there, 67.8 to 55.2. So a bit of an advantage there for McDowell. But that must be what the books are looking at when they're setting these lines, because minus 150 is a big number. And for them to be pretty close in average finish like that doesn't really 
makes sense to me to have him at minus 150. Then, when you look at the fact that Bubba is 4-3 and three versus McDowell last year at road courses, that made me say, as someone who won a McDowell, made me say, whoa, you know, what's going on here? So then looking further into it, what you realize is when Michael McDowell is on, he's very good. He's top 10 worthy good. And when he's off, he's way off. You know, it does, it does not, he's not able to really regroup and, and pull it back together. So he had a great race at Coda last year. He was seventh, and that's what I think a lot of people were looking at, like myself included. I saw that finish last year and was like, okay, you know, how are we going to put him into the, the card this week? Bubba had a wreck and finished 39th, and that was because of the rain. You know, it was one of those situations he got caught up. It wasn't really his own fault. But Bubba, in that short time in that race, he had the fastest green flag speed, so the car had speed to it. We just didn't really get to see much of him. That's the thing. So it's really tough. So that's why I'm saying I'm getting creative this week because the odds being so skewed, if they were even odds, I'd say, okay, I'm going with McDowell. I, you know, I trust him. A lot of people could say he's got a road course background, but the values are, are big. So the way I'm getting creative this week is by saying, if you're taking this matchup straight up, I, because of the odds, would say Bubba is close enough to him in stats and statistics that I'd be fine taking plus 130 if it's straight up. But I really want Michael McDowell in some way, shape, or form. So I would throw that minus 150 number into a head-to-head parlay on DraftKings. That seems to be the only book that allows parlays. So if you could throw uh, a parlay together, that minus 150 number, I really do think McDowell um, is the better driver here. So in a parlay, he would make sense because now, you know, that minus 150 turns into plus 400 if you throw three matchups together, and it makes that payout better and more tolerable to have him at that minus 150 number. But straight up, you know, they are pretty well matched up. So minus 150 is a little eh, sketchy, plus 130, I would say, just for the hell of it. So I'm getting creative here. You know, you could call me on the fence. Like I said, I think McDowell's the better driver in this matchup, but it's just how am I going to make money off of that? That's the question. So I'm, I don't think I've ever done that in a head-to-head matchup before, so I'm getting a little creative, and uh, let me know what you think, you know, if you feel one way or the other about what I'm calling out there. The next matchup is one that I think I like the most out of all three of these. So it's very interesting. It's Chris Busher minus 110 against Daniel Suarez, who is also minus 110. Now, Suarez, last year, his 2021 average green flag speed was 15th out of everyone in NASCAR. 15.1 was the number. And at Circuit of the Americas, he was ninth in green flag speed. But the thing is, that's where his positive stats stop, okay? Because do people think that he's some sort of like road course guy, like road course guru or something. I feel like the broadcast brings that up about him from time to time. But looking at the numbers, that does not check out. Uh, Looking at last year, Daniel Suarez had four finishes that were in the 30s. Okay, that's just really bad. In his last 10 road course races, he has two top 15s and five top 20s. Average finish is 23.7. Driver rating, 62.7. He wrecked early last year and then was able to kind of bring it back. He finished the race, but he finished 33rd. So 
those things are not what I want to see. That bad average finish, bad driver rating, not what I'm looking for in a head-to-head matchup. You know, five top 20s in his last 10 races, that's not what I'm looking for. 50% of the time he's finishing in the top 20? I want top 10s, you know, if I'm looking at that stat. When I'm throwing money on someone in a head-to-head matchup. And they're even odds here. That's the thing. So then you say, okay, well, you made the case. Daniel Suarez, not very good at road courses historically. Well, what about Chris Buescher? You know, is he some kind of guru or does he suck too? Well, in his last 10 races, he has one top five, two top 10s, five top 15s, and he's 10 for 10 in top 20 finishes. 100% of the time, he's finishing in the top 20. You compare that to the fact that what I said earlier about Suarez finishing four times last year in the 30s and his dismal average finish for Suarez, 23.7. I mean, that has to have your attention here in this matchup. His average finish is 13.9. That is a huge difference compared to Suarez. He finished 13th in this race last year. And on the seven road courses last year, Busher against Suarez head-to-head was 6-1. and one. So to me, this is an absolute layup. Now, I feel like every time I say that, Something happens to the guy that I'm calling out. But as far as the statistics and what we're looking at and historic stuff here, Chris Buescher should not be going off even odds with Daniel Suarez. You know, he should be a favorite in this matchup, and he's not. So there's an opportunity for you as the gambler to take advantage of it. So lock me in, Chris Buescher, minus 110, over Suarez. The last matchup here is... It's a set of two guys who are so evenly matched, it really kind of comes down to your gut feeling. And it's a brilliant job by DraftKings to put these two together. Chase Briscoe versus A.J. Allmendinger, both going off at even odds, minus 110. That is a true matchup that should be even odds because when we break this down, you're going to say, wow, can't believe this. A.J. had five races and in the Cup Series in his career on road courses. He has one win, two top fives, three top tens. His average finish is 16.0. Remember that for one second from now. Won the Indy road course last year in a bit of a whirlwind finish. His green flag stats, he only raced five to seven races, but he was 11th on the board there in average green flag speed, 13.6. Okay, good stuff there for AJ. Good numbers. That's what you're looking for, right, in a head-to-head matchup. We look at Chase Briscoe, seven races last year, three top 10 finishes, and his average finish is 16.1, one-tenth behind AJ. Like, that's how close they are in the average finish stat. His green flag speed, not as good as you'd think. He's actually 21st in the 2021 green flag speed category, where I had heard somebody on the radio this week saying, you know, you look at Reddick and Briscoe and Chastain, and they're all guys who go out and win the race this week because they're such good road course racers, and they had great speed last year. Well, actually, his average green flag speed wasn't phenomenal last year. At Coda, they were right next to each other. Uh, as far as green flag speed, 15 for Briscoe and 16th for Almendinger. Like that just is laughable how close together these guys were last year and then specifically at Coda. Head to head in the five races, they were both in the race. AJ had a 3 2 lead. So you kind of think, okay, AJ had the win. He had a really good season last year. He must have really mopped the floor with Briscoe, but 
that's not necessarily the case. And you think back, right? AJ's win was the race that Briscoe was going head-to-head for the lead with Denny Hamlin at the Indy Road course before Briscoe went off course and, you know, had that huge issue. Um, caused a lot of controversy. So in reality, Briscoe was setting himself up for a, a much better finish than Almendinger. He was just kind of Johnny on the spot, not taking anything away from the 16 and, and that team. But, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. I mean, that's what happened in that race. So now I wanted to turn my sights onto this year because Briscoe has had a really good season so far as as far as the speed is concerned, he's 10th in NASCAR in green flag speed in 2022. So no road courses to speak of, obviously. It's the first one. It's our temperature check for the year, right? But if you've got a team who's performing well, he's got his victory. AJ in the Cup Series has two starts this season, and they have not gone very well. He had the Daytona start and Phoenix, which I had a lot of hope in AJ at Phoenix. It's a track that he's been fast at in the past in Xfinity and Cup. And he did not do anything in that race. He was really slow, uh, 28th in green flag speed. So, again, not apples to apples to road courses, but it's just trying to say the team not performing all that well uh, compared to Briscoe's team, who seems to be on it. So what I'm going to do here in this super evenly matched up matchup is go with Chase Briscoe, minus 110. I'm going with the, the guy who's there every week and going to bank on that momentum that they've built up so far this year and try to cash in on that. So Briscoe, minus 110, is my pick here. Like I said, kind of more so your gut more than anything, but I'm, I'm looking at the 2022 stats to kind of put me over the top to go with Briscoe. So to recap the picks here, I'm going with uh, McDowell in a parlay, minus 150, but Bubba for the value, plus 130, uh, in that matchup, little crazy response there. And then Busher, minus 110 over Suarez. And Chase Briscoe, minus 110 over A.J. Allmendinger. So to wrap up this week, we're going to have a conversation with our resident F1 expert, Frank. And he's going to come in because he was on this episode of the podcast last year. Uh, I said that in the intro, we tried to throw something out there because F1 races at Coda. So I said, you know, let's see what we can do. Can we make you a NASCAR fan by seeing these guys on that same track? And we're going to check in with Frank, see how that went, and, you know, talk a little NASCAR to try to get him more into it again. You know, the, the effort's still there. I'm not relenting on that. See if we can turn the tides even further And then I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to them about F1. Their season just started back up, had a little bit of chaos, kind of similar to NASCAR, in the first race. So we want to talk because there is a whole other series of racing out there that we could win money on if we know what we're looking for. So we'll try to pick Frank's brain about the F1 series and how to place some bets on that as well. So without further ado, let's welcome on Frank. So now we will welcome back on to the podcast our F1 resident expert. You're a recurring guest now, Frank. Um, so welcome back to the, the podcast here. Are you excited? I'm thrilled and I appreciate you bringing me back on. I'm excited to actually talk about racing. So it's perfect. Yeah. So Frank 
has a podcast out there called Frankly Nerdy, pop culture type podcast, lots of different uh, types of episodes out there. So there might be something that hits you the right way. I think there's a Batman episode coming out soon, Frank. Um, yeah. But today we will talk racing and uh, we'll, we'll start with NASCAR and then lead into F1 and try to give anyone listening a little bit of an edge this weekend uh, with the F1 race as well as NASCAR. So the reason I asked you to come back on this week was because NASCAR is back to Circuit of the Americas for the second time ever. And a year ago, it was a different date. It was in May, but they were there the first time. And I thought it would be a good idea to reach out to you and say, you know, hey, F1 runs at this track. NASCAR is about to do it. This would be a good chance for you to kind of give NASCAR a look and see if there's anything that NASCAR can do to kind of swing someone like yourself to follow that sport a little bit more. Um, so let's just think back a year or so now, Frank. I don't know if, if you have that memory, but uh, <laughs> did you give the race too much of a look? And uh, how did it go, I guess, the rest of the year? Did, did it catch on for you or uh, did it fade away? Uh, I do. Yes, I did give the race a look. Um, I don't remember the race itself, but I do remember watching and appreciating that they were racing at Coda and I'm familiar with the track. So, you know, it was a good, uh, introductory race for me. Um, I don't know if it lasted. I maybe watched one more road race, um, just because you pointed out that, you know, you would always tell me if it was going to be like a street type race, because, you know, I'm more interested in that. So I think I maybe watched, you know, a quarter of another one. So it didn't hook me, but uh, it's probably more than I've watched on my own otherwise. So, Okay. So I kind of did a recap of last year's race, and you may remember it was like pouring rain. Um, so they were racing in the rain at Coda. And, you know, in the earlier part of the episode, I, I was saying, like, at first I was intrigued by that. Uh, but then as a gambler, I immediately was like, oh no, this is not good. Uh, just cause it was messing with, with all my bets, like guys were, were slipping and sliding when they really shouldn't have been. So does the rain, like, I'm kind of hoping this time around the rain stays away and we get like a normal race, but does that element intrigue you at all? Um, I don't know if you remember last year, if you had any feelings on it last year when it was happening, but does the, the weather uh, play a factor in making a race more interesting to you or not? Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what exactly we said last year, but I do enjoy the rain for formula one because they do have a slightly different tire strategy. Um, I don't know if that really applies to NASCAR. Like, do they have wet tires? That they, they do. In? Okay. Yeah. And that did play a factor into like the pitch strategy who can get their, their then, rain tires on fast enough. And then, and who then can, the, yeah. Yeah, and if the track, like, dries faster, you want to be the first one to get the slicks back on. Like, I kind of enjoy that. Um, but if it's a heavy rain, you know, I guess it kind of takes the strategy out of it. Uh, the track's not probably going to dry up. It's just going to stay wet. So, I don't I don't know. I think uh, as a fair weather fan who's just kind of 
coming in and out. Uh, it could be interesting, but I can understand as someone who's placing bets based off, you know, a racer on dry tur- uh, you know, asphalt, it's going to mess with you probably more than me. But yeah, I would say, yes, it does intrigue me a little bit, the possibility of rain. Yeah, so I think one thing that I remember last year, the race ended early because of rain. And I remember thinking, oh, man, like anybody like yourself who was watching this race, even for a little bit uh, with the intention of like getting hooked, this was just like not the right race because, you know, to end a race early is, is kind of weak. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, you know, beg you to give it another shot this time around this Sunday. Um, now we did discuss last year, trying to find like your favorite driver. We kind of broke down a few different guys and you landed on, you might not even remember this, but you landed on Kyle Larson. Do you remember that conversation at all? I do remember. And I follow him on Instagram now. So yes, I do remember that we landed on. So you chose, and we're going to get into F1 in a second, but if you did stick around for NASCAR, then you would have had the greatest motorsports uh, year for a fan ever because Larson went on to win the championship, like completely running away with it, dominating the season. And then Max Verstappen won as well. So like <laughs> yeah, what a year so. that would have been if you were like, you know, really hooked. Um, it's kind of a shame that, you know, they couldn't hook you in that one race, but uh, so you follow Larson on Instagram would you say that he's still your guy or has anyone else in NASCAR kind of like, you know, snuck up on you on your Instagram feed or like watching, you know, TV at any moment? Um, so, yeah, I would say Larson is if I was going to watch, he's probably who I would root for. I was intrigued by I don't know if he's a NASCAR driver, but whoever uh, Black Rifle, that car looked cool. Like that could hook me into like if a sponsor I appreciate maybe gets a car. Um Maybe that would intrigue me. But as of right now, I'd say if I was just going to watch Coda this weekend, um, it would be Larson or the 27th, whenever this is the 27th. Correct? Or... Yeah, it's this it's this Sunday. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would probably just go with Kyle Larson again. Um, nothing really else has crossed my uh, Instagram or YouTube. But do you have any one that you think I should check out or? No, I mean, I think okay. I think Larson you know, when you're, when you're someone that is like hoping for others to kind of like follow along, you kind of need immediate success. So I think Larson is a guy who is going to be continuously winning and uh, he's the perfect guy to like kind of hook you in. So like all you need to do, like if you throw money down on Larson this week, he's a heavy favorite. Him and Chase Elliott are both like in NASCAR We've got a couple guys who are just like road coat road course masters and Chase Elliott and uh, Larson are those two guys. So if you throw your money down, he's plus 300 to win the race. Um, I think easily you could win that. And all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a betting win and a race win. And, you know, maybe that's something to kind of get your attention more. But um, yeah, Larson, I would recommend sticking with just because, you know, you're going to get that taste of victory whereas i mean i understand what you're saying about like cool cars like sponsors and all um mm-hmm. i used to love the budweiser car when it you know dale jr drove it and casey kane drove it um black rifle is ty dylan he is okay. 
a bit of a back marker sort of um he's good at like the bigger track so when we go to like daytona and talladega i'll i'll hit you up to say like hey here's a if he runs that scheme especially like here's a a race that he could do well in um but he's not somebody that you're going to see success most of the time you know top 20s are good for that team and that's not what you're looking for so stick with larson and uh if you do watch more than just this race i think you know it'd be more of a a good pull to get you sucked in. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I like it. All right. So just to recap, um, what is something before we switch to F1, because one of the reasons why we're bringing you on also is to talk F1 bets, because, you know, there could be people, people out there who have never placed a bet on F1. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but just to kind of put a bow on the, what would draw you in, type of conversation um let's let's just dig into it real quick you know you tune into coda this weekend watching nascar what is something that like you're looking for to say man i I like that you know that's something that's maybe the same as f1 or or maybe it's a little different which is a good thing in your eyes like what is something that you're kind of hoping to see to maybe turn the tides and and bring you over a little bit more so for me, as someone who rarely watches NASCAR, the, my, I think my something I have a hard time doing, and maybe this is going to make me sound like a complete novice, which I guess I am, but it's following who, like who is even doing anything. Like, I feel like when I watch, everyone is doing the same thing. Whereas if you watch, you can tell like who's about to make moves and who's doing good strategies. And maybe if... Uh, you know, maybe if I watched with you sometime and you explain like, Hey, you see what Kyle Larson's doing? Like he's trying to do, you know, he's catching dra- uh, the drift so he can do this move or something like that. Where I feel like in formula one, um, I understand it better. So maybe if I understood NASCAR better and the strategies better, maybe it would help me be more intrigued into what the drivers are actually doing. Is it because they're, like so bunched up bunched up yeah it's like it's like in formula one it's like you can't really bunch so it's easy to see who's ahead and who's trying to make the next move whereas i feel like in nascar everyone's constantly making moves which i guess they are and you know it's it's a lot for someone who watches maybe two races a year to keep up with i guess that's actually a really interesting take because i think some nascar fans if not most would say the reason they don't like f1 is because they're spread out you know, True. and yeah. and because like it kind of is, you know, not as exciting racing mm-hmm. in their eyes. Um, so you say like, oh, NASCAR, you know, they're all bunched up. It's more like competitive racing next to each other. But I never thought that that would be working against them trying to bring in a, a new fan. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, that is something that I would be glad to, to do. So if you are a a NASCAR fan out there and has a person with them that is new to the sport. Maybe that is something you could do kind of help explain what's going on. That's a good take, Frank. Never thought of it that way. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I guess having a good announcing crew would benefit that as well. I mean, I I think Fox does a good job, uh, but I I can tell you F1's group does a hell of a job because I'm a F1 novice and I think they do a a phenomenal job explaining what's going on. Yeah. uh, I mean, I'm probably used to it. Yeah. Like I I feel like I'm always learning. I'm I'm paying attention more obviously to formula one, but 
Um, so they might do it in NASCAR, but I feel like they're always teaching you something like explaining and they, you know, if they say an acronym, they say what the acronym means and stuff like that. So I'm learning and maybe they, like I said, they might do that in NASCAR and I'm just not paying enough attention. So maybe that's something I need to, you know, focus more on. Okay. Well, as far as your bets for NASCAR, I would encourage you to take Larson plus 300 since he's your guy. And, uh, we could probably throw him into, you know, uh, a head-to-head matchup. He's probably going to be, I guess, him versus Chase Elliott would be even odds. So there's one, you know, if you don't want him to win the race, it's just a head-to-head. Uh, I think they're both like minus 115. Uh, Chase may actually be a slight favorite. But, you know, those are two bets that if uh, you're looking to get in as far as some action on the race, uh, I mean, I would highly encourage that, right? Because having skin in the game makes the race extremely fun, way more fun than just watching it, um, you know, for the hell of it. So I would encourage that if you uh, are inclined. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, like having a little money just makes it worth even watching, even if you're not interested. It's just, you're right. It makes it more exciting. So um, I'll absolutely be betting on it. So. So the, the segue, I guess, is last week I combined F1 and NASCAR in a parlay. So that might be another way to, you know, get your uh, foot in the door, a little action in both, dip, dip your toe in both uh, pools here, because F1's odds are pretty weak as far as like to win the race, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, we're not coming, I'm not coming negatively at F1, but it's like easier to predict, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, the better cars. Um, but we're going to get into that conversation in just a bit. But the odds for, you know, an F1 driver to win the race typically are around like plus 135, 155, that type of number. And, you know, if you're a NASCAR better, that doesn't really wet your beak. So I think if you wanted to do the old, uh, the Frank Parlay this weekend, it would be Verstappen and Larson to both win the race and see uh, I'm going to plug that in right now and see what that ends up looking like. But um, what do you think about that, Frank? Is that asking too much of these guys? No, I think that's, I think you're, I didn't even know you could do that first off. So you're blowing my mind. And uh, yeah, that, that would be, that'd be cool. Like watch a F1 in the morning, <laughs> hopefully get a max win. That would even sweeten it more. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'd absolutely be uh, intrigued into doing that. Right now on DraftKings, if uh, if both your guys hit, that's plus nine twenty. So you throw ten bucks on that; that's a smooth hundred two bucks. Um, not too shabby for a couple, you know, favorites, I guess. So, uh, so let's get into to betting on F one. The season just started, mm-hmm. and last year. It was just a, a Hamilton Verstappen showdown all year. I think Verstappen, you correct me if I'm wrong, Frank, but I've you've gotten me into F1. So that's why I'm kind of hoping to do the same uh, to you a, a little bit here on the other end. Verstappen came out of the gates pretty strong. Had a not that he had a, a let up at all, but he he let Hamilton kind of sneak back in towards the end of the year. And the last race of the year ended up being for all the marbles. And at the end of the day, even with the cloud of a little bit of controversy, uh, Verstappen claims the championship. 
right? So any thoughts on how last year ended before we, we move forward? So yeah, last year, uh, yeah, I would say there was controversy around it. Um, and I was kind of torn on how it unfolded. Uh, and then I did read like something that kind of made me feel a little better, like how in Formula One, each race, you're earning an allotment of points for each individual race, and then you tally all those points up. And so each race is kind of its own race. And so it wasn't necessarily like Max and Lewis were racing the championship race. They were racing to get the most points. And, you know, I don't know, that kind of helped me uh, sit with it. But I can understand if you were a Mercedes fan, obviously you're pissed off. Um, and I couldn't even understand if you're a Red Bull fan, you might kind of be like, is that a legit win? You might question it. Um, I do think it was legit and I'm, I'm happy with how it ended. Obviously I'm biased, but, uh, so I think with that going into this season, it's kind of got a nice, uh, I don't know the Lewis definitely wants redemption and I hope there's a nice battle coming up, uh, this season. Yeah. So you're saying that the championship, it wasn't like in NASCAR where it was the championship race. It was each race, you know, that what unfolded there could have taken place, you know, as the ninth race of the season unknown, it would have been a blip on the radar, but because it happened at the end, you know, so if you were to shuffle everything up, he came out on top with points and that's, that's the way they sleep at night. Exactly. Yeah. So coming out of this, that season, then that was such a big, win for the sport because Hamilton has been the guy Mm -hmm. over the past, what, five years. Like he has been like really untouchable. So now there's a new face in the game Mm -hmm. and everyone's looking at it. Like you just said, it's, it's Hamilton's redemption season, him and Max squared off again, but Mm -hmm. hold the phone (laughs) because last week opened up the season and lo and behold, Neither of them won the race. It was Leclerc, Charles Leclerc, and Ferrari yep. got the win. Ferrari won and two, and then Hamilton, yeah, pulled up. Which I'm pissed he even got a podium, but he did get a podium. So, um, yeah, it's actually super exciting because, like you were saying, it is it is relatively predictable to be like, okay, it's either going to be Lewis or Max. Uh, but now with a third team. And they both got one and two. So that means they both have the ability to get on the podium. That's that's exciting. That will really throw a wrench in it if Red Bull and Mercedes can stay with them. You know, so hopefully one of those teams doesn't fall away and it just becomes two teams again. Um, so I, I'm super excited. I like seeing a new team win. You know, obviously I root for Max, but I like I like there to be a reason to root for Max instead of just uh, he's always first. That, that kind of gets stale after a while. So was there any indication that another team like that, like Ferrari, I mean, you know, obviously they're a huge name worldwide, but like in terms of the racing, any indication that that could have taken place or did that catch everybody by surprise? That I don't, I don't know, like, cause I don't watch a lot of the testing uh, before the season starts. So I don't know if that was something that was well known in the like formula one, you know, uh, community. Um, but F- Ferrari is, you know, they're a top tier team. I mean, it was Ferrari Mercedes for a while and Red Bull was always coming up third. So okay. um, they're not us. They're obviously a, a top team and it, it was just kind of a matter of time until they get their shit back together. And uh, it could be an interesting season because of that. Definitely. I mean, it makes it 
I guess, a little bit harder to bet on too, because, you know, it's not as predictable now that you have three or you know, three teams or, you know, four guys, five guys, if you include the teammates of uh, the other two. So heading into this week, my question to you, Charles Leclerc, because he's the win, there's, there's so much recency bias, I guess, is what my take in F1 is like, he wins the race, so automatically Leclerc is the favorite. He's going off right now at plus 125 to win the race. I don't know what he was last week, but I he was not anything like that. So I guess my question is, is there value in taking some of these other guys? Like Verstappen is plus 155, but then you go to Carlos Sainz. How do you say his name? Sands? Signs. Signs. Carlos Sainz is plus 650. And then Hamilton, the guy, I know you hate him as a Max fan, but he's plus 1,000. Like, how does that make any sense? Because he was, you know, I don't know, plus 200 or something last week. So just because of one race, like everybody's just changing the way they think. Is there any merit to betting on some of those other guys other than Leclerc? Okay, so uh, for the Lewis Hamilton thing, I think the reason he's still a plus like that much is because Red Bull, both their cars crapped out. They didn't lose the race. They were disqualified. They, their cars had to be retired. Both of them shut down. So technically, Lewis would have been fourth, probably, maybe even fifth, but probably fourth. Okay. Um, so that, you know, might he kind of got on the podium because of other things. Um, And then I was looking earlier, I saw like Leclerc and signs. They were both seventh and eighth last year in this race, but Ferrari wasn't as good last year too. So it's, it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how I would look at it. I would obviously pick max out of bias, but I feel like Charles could be like, I don't don't know. I don't know. It's, it's tough. So, the, the question of, you know, is the recency bias in F1 valid? I guess we're going to find out this weekend. And if you're trying to gamble on that, saying that it's not, then taking someone like Max or even Hamilton would behoove you. You could take Max to win the race. Lewis to podium is plus 225. Like, when yeah. was the last time you could get Lewis at that number? You know what I mean? Podium. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so I guess we'll find out if Ferrari's for real or not. You know, if if you're throwing money down on it as as yourself, Frank, like, do you think Ferrari's for real, or was I, that just kind of a blip? I would say Ferrari is a absolute contender. I would. I don't know if I would put Charles as winning. I do think I would go Max. Um, but also a caveat, I almost always bet Red Bull to be retired first car every almost every week. So <laughs> all right, hold on. We'll get it. <laughs> so, so like I'm just putting that caveat out there. I will bet probably Max to win and maybe Lewis to podium and probably Charles to podium. But uh I also always throw that caveat of first team to retire. And I would have fucking won it last week, but Gasly's car caught on fire. Um somehow. Yeah, so he fucked me, but uh <laughs> so all right, so that's that's the conversation as far <laughs> as like winning the race. Well, no, no, because I do want to talk about some of these other bets because 
in NASCAR, we're kind of getting used to, there's definitely a lot more types of bets than there have been in the past in NASCAR, but in F1, for anyone who wants to like, you know, take a look, I'm looking at DraftKings and also Barstool. Um, there are a ton of different bets out there for F1 racing. Like it's unbelievable just on the main, the main page. I mean, you got to win the race, you got a podium finish, top six, top 10, like you can get crazy with it and bet on some of those other guys who are like further down the list, you know, just to finish top 10. Um, so there's that, but you can bet on practice and qualifying. You can bet on they have a section under race props. Now you just mentioned one that I wanted to ask you about. Um, it was first car to retire. That's obviously the first car out of the race. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's your, you could bet on the first team or the first driver specifically. Uh, so you always bet Red Bull there. Why? <laughs> well, they proved this week. Why there? I feel like, I don't, again, I don't know if it's even, don't look it up because it's, I'm probably completely wrong, but I feel like they have so many inconsistency issues with their car um, that that affects it. And then Max has gotten better. He is a lot more of a mature driver, but, you know, in the past he has been very aggressive, which I love, but it sometimes bites him in the ass. So I usually, that's kind of why I just put Red Bull in there. It, you know, because Max could have a terrible start and just crash into somebody. Um, like I said, he has matured a lot, so that's probably less likely. But the reliability issues still kind of wane. And I again, if Gasly's car didn't catch on fire, which I don't know what caused the fire, but I would have, I would have had it in the first week. So it is. I don't know. It's just something I do. Maybe it keeps me humble to put a Max in the win all the time, <laughs> just to kind of cover your losses a little yeah, bit. Like, yeah. Just to in, in case something does happen, you you come out on the other side. I, exactly. I guess I can understand that. Yeah. Um, who's the worst driver in F one? Um, I probably like Schumacher's not great. He did actually good. I think he did pretty good last weekend though. Um, Magnuson's not great. You know, I, I don't know who the the worst last year was the Haas team, so it would have been Mazepin and Schumacher last year. So I would assume they're still not the great, but Haas was bad last year too. So it's kind of hard to say who's the worst driver. <clears throat> okay. But yeah, I'll probably I mean, say I, Mick, Mick Schumacher if I had to put money on it. So now, I mean, he's plus 1,800 to be the first one out this week. So that's a pretty big payday if you just if you just could bet against the Schumacher character every week. You know, you, you, you could come True. out with a pretty big payday um, at some point. So you could also bet that there's no retirements. Does that happen very often or no? The pro- well, first, the problem with Mick Schumacher betting him as that is like he's again this year. He might not be. But the, if you pick the worst driver based on the person who comes in last all the time, they're usually not in traffic or danger of retiring. So it would have to come down to a, a car reliability issue. Gotcha. So you're kind of playing those odds a little bit. So you might want to pick someone like mid pack. Who's going to be fighting a lot more. Um, gotcha. Okay. Then, sorry. What was your other question? Well, n- no retirements is also oh, a bet. Yeah. Does uh, that ever happen? I'm sure it happens. It's probably not very frequent because there's, you know, the cars are, they're being pushed to their limits. So even if a car crap doesn't crash, 
you know, something goes wrong or a pit stop goes wrong. So I, th- I would say that's pretty rare. Are there like odds on that for this weekend? Yeah. Plus 1800. Hmm, okay. I mean, I, I kind of like your gasly. pretty hot, but gasly seems like a good pick. Um, well, you yeah, mentioned him earlier this week. Yeah. Is he someone who's in the mix, like kind of mid pack or who would mix it up a little bit and end up, you know, Yeah, I think he was like a mid pack. Um, see, like, I can't remember like where everyone plays, but uh, yeah, he's, he's not going to be at the front. He's not going to be at the back. So, okay. You know, he's, you know, if the car is not going to be, I mean, and he races for Alpha Tari, which is basically Red Bull's B team. So that means three Red Bull cars were out this race and they were the only three that were out if I remember correctly. So, wow. You know, that's their reliability. I feel like is always just crazy in my opinion. I mean, Gasly is plus 1600 to be the first guy who retires and Alpha Tari is plus 600 and they're right. They're right there as like almost the favorite to be the first team retired. So Gasly could be the payday there if you want to play those odds. So, um, I, I had another bet that I wanted to ask you about, and it was around being classified. I don't know what that means. Are you able to give me a, a piece of information here? Because there's a few different bets around being classified or not in F1. So, okay. So I did have to ask my friend. My friend Nick is the only person I know who watches Formula One. So I kind of go to him for knowledge. I asked him, and then I actually ended up Googling it because I genuinely didn't know what it definitely meant and he gave me kind of a half answer and i found the official answer um it basically means that you finish 90 percent of whatever the winner does so if the winner does 60 laps and wins you have to do 54 to be considered classified and not retired so if you broke down on the 53rd lap you didn't you didn't get classified you didn't get the you know you didn't you didn't essentially race Gotcha. Um, so I don't know how like to bet on that would be. Is the bet for being classified or being not classified? So they have both. Um, okay. You can bet like, for example, uh, let's look at Max. Max is minus 550. Every single driver is minus money. So you're betting that these people are all going to finish the race, essentially. Or at least ninety percent of it. Not, yeah, so, basically. So you have to have a pretty good bankroll to be able to say, like, even the worst guy is is minus two eighty. It's uh, Zhao. He's uh, minus two eighty to be classified. But they also have bets to not be classified. Um, That's interesting. And yeah, so you're looking at Daniel Ricardo plus two hundred, and the other side of the spectrum is. Carlos signs at plus 400. Um, so that I, I would feel like, you know, as a novice gambler is like what you're trying to say, you're basically betting on these guys to wreck early. Um, and and not be the, you don't have to be the first guy out. You just have to wreck. Yeah. So that, I guess it is kind of like a, a safety net for, you know, if you say retirement, I don't know. Cause technically I don't know how they justify it. Cause I mean, technically it is a retirement too. For not classified means I don't know that, that I'd have to look more into that, but yeah, you're you're because not classified would mean they didn't get to at least you know 90%, 90%. which means so, they retired. That's strange. So, classified so would be interesting if you're saying to yourself, 
to me, I guess this is the the better bet to play insurance for your favorite driver like Max, because, True. you know, if you're uh, although you said he wrecked last week with three laps left. Right. So yeah, that, like, wouldn't have been, <laughs> yeah. that would not have counted. It was, I think he was first and then his part his teammate uh, Perez was a few laps later. If I remember, he Max may not have been classified last week. I I'd have to look what lap exactly he crapped out on. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, it seems like rather than be the first guy out to just wreck and not finish the race, or at least ninety percent of it to be not be classified, sure. seems like a pretty good insurance policy for your for your guys, or sure. if have somebody that you think sucks, uh, or or mix it up and and mess around and do something stupid. So. Um, I think I'm into this bet, honestly. I, I like that. I, I kind of like this bet. Let's look at our boy uh, Gasly. He's plus two forty. Like <laughs> that's not that's not bad. You know what I mean? Um, all right. So yeah. I, I'm I'm picking at you here with like a bunch of prop bets. Um, safety car. Is there any chance the safety car does not come out in a race because it's minus eight hundred? to come out and i'm gonna guess that a safety car is when someone wrecks and they need to be like picked up is that yeah a good description okay yep it's Um, plus 450 to not come out so is there any chance of that i mean it's so like that's another one where it's tough i'd say no there's probably not for this course i would say like i'm trying to think like where like maybe uh I don't even know. Uh, it's hard to say because like they bring it out when, you know, someone's on the side and they have to, they don't want to stop the race, but they want to make sure the people get in the cars safe. So basically as long as someone retires on the course, you're going to see a safety car. So I would say it's, it's a very slim chance. And that's why the betting reflects that. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't know. That would be one where you'd have to like look at all the races from the past and be like, how many times do people retire and how many people retire? And that would be, you know, do the research on that. And then maybe that'd be worth taking. But as someone like me who I can't remember last week, you know what I mean? It's hard for me to say if you should take that for Saudi Arabia or not. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I just love those little like prop bets is maybe cash like a quick ticket. If, if there's a possibility, obviously if you had the bankroll to go minus 800 to make, uh, anything wet your whistle, then that's that seems pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, all right. So I will, uh, I guess, throw. Uh, there's the, the, I'm just diving in right now. As as I'm talking, I'm like clicking through the just crazy amount of options that F1 has. They've got double podium finish for teams. You know, Red Bulls plus three hundred there. Uh, Ferraris minus one ten. Double top six, you know, you're getting the, the big three are all minus money in that case. Double top tens, fastest lap by team. I mean, that that it's all crazy. Like, do you ever dig into any of these like prop bets when you're betting on a weekly basis? Yeah. So, yeah, I'll like that. I'll put like, you know, a couple bucks on some of them um, just because it is fun. Like safety. I might even bet on safety car and be like, hey, I, I think it's not going to come out. Or, you know, just to pray, you know, chuck up a prayer. Um, I don't do uh, that's interesting. The one you said, uh, double top six. I think that one will be a fun one. Like, if I was to do that one, I would probably go like 
because it probably gave you more money. Like McLaren might be interesting for that because last year Daniel got fifth. But Norris, yeah, Norris was a little low, but he's getting better year by year. So I don't know. That that could be interesting. The money might be there for that to chuck, you know, a couple bucks on. McLaren is McLaren top six double. While you're talking about those guys, I mean, the odds, Vegas does not like Ricardo and Lando. It's terrible. Um, Double top. Oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at fastest lap. I apologize. Let me see. McLaren is plus 6,500. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That's a huge (laughs) ticket if you were to cash that. They they did terrible. So I'm, again, basing this off of last year. And last year they were a decent team. Um, they don't seem to have that gumption, at least in the first race. But maybe if they get it together, you know, it's a, again, this is chucking up a Hail Mary here. I'm just saying that'd be a fun one. Yeah. to Like, you know, Follow. McLaren's like that fourth team they were last year. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they can do something. But to know, me, to me, I'm hearing on it. I'm hearing that there's value to the gambler there because of Vegas's recency bias of last week, them not doing well last week. Sure. They were solid last year, solid here last year. Like why not try to, like you said, chuck up a prayer. I want to stick with Norris just for a second. And then we can kind of round it out here for any other thoughts you have, but Norris got my attention because he's plus 175 to finish in the top 10. Like, don't you think that's a, a pretty good value there for him or am I wrong? Yeah, I think, like, again, basing off last year, yes. I think this year from that first race, if you're doing the whole recency bias thing, then no. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, to chuck a couple on, yeah, that's fine. But um, they did not show anything. I don't know. Last week it was kind of like, what the what the hell are they doing? Because, you know, they looked like they were going to be the next up. They looked like they were going to be the Ferrari this year um, where they were in contention, and now they're – they weren't as of last week. So I think that'd be a fun bet for sure. Um, Lando in a top 10, cause he was top 10 last year. He did make that 10th place. Um, but there were some retirements, so that could have helped them too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I might throw fun. money on that. Yeah. Just that's uh, a fun bet. Yeah. Yeah. To Because in F1, everything's so focused on the, the top and it is like kind of the same characters every week, like the top 10. I mean, I, I feel the same way about NASCAR's top 10. Um, you know, there's a lot less drivers, half the field, uh, in F1. So, you know, focusing on that, like mid pack stuff, those battles that aren't as interesting to the, uh, broadcast, you're kind of like hanging on every, every turn makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I think I throw a little bit on Norris for a top 10. He's on the commercials all the time, I think. Right. Um, yeah, I see him all the time. Big. Yeah, he's a big star, up and coming star. All right. So, any other thoughts on this race, Frank? Um, as far as gambling or otherwise? Yeah, um, I want to run down a couple head to heads just real quick. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot about that. I'm sorry. No, yeah, um, let's hear it. Yeah, you actually brought it to my attention today, and I was looking at them. And uh, again, I talked to my friend Nick, so I have a Nick pick. So I have three of my own and then a Nick pick here. Um, so I, I went Verstappen, Leclerc. I went Verstappen. Very biased, obviously. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, and that's just based on biasy. And 
hope and prayer. Um, <laughs> I did Alonzo versus Ocon. So last year, Ocon uh, was in fourth place. Again, there were some retirements, but he plays. Fernando Alonso was 13th place. Um, so I'm going Ocon over Alonso, and I think Ocon is not favorited. So that could be interesting to see if he can repeat what he did last year, get a little money there. Um, and then Ricardo versus Norris. I did Ricardo because, again, he placed higher last year. I think he's the more experienced driver. So as long as car issues don't happen, I think he has a better chance over Norris. Um, so I, I don't know. I thought those were three fun ones just to watch the battles between two of them or between the same team and then Max versus Ferrari. Um and then the Nick pick, he he kind of threw me a fun one, like a crazy one that's probably not going to happen. But the new guy, I don't even know how to say his name, Zhou Guan Yu, I guess. He's the newer driver, and he's uh, Botas versus him. And Nick was saying, you know, it's true, he did good last week. So it would be interesting to see how he does and put some money on him. Obviously, Botas, extremely experienced and extremely talented. So you're, you know. You're not looking at something likely, but I think the odds were pretty heavy. So it'd be fun to chuck a couple bucks on. On that Zhao character as a as yeah. an underdog. Okay. Yeah, as a heavy that's underdog. the Nick pick. That's the Nick pick. Nick loves the value. <laughs> he's not a he was telling me he's like, I'm not even a gambler. So, you know, this is just fun and interesting. But uh yeah, I, I like bets like that though. Like where you because if that come pulls off, you're like you know, one of three people, in the, you know, you know, you know, those are the fun ones where you're like, holy shit, put five yeah. bucks on this guy. And I'm like like a genius. $300. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. I mean, the, the thing about the head to heads in uh, F1 is that the values straight up, you know, because it's per- more predictable, you are going to get some heavy favorites in those head-to-head matchups. Now, right now, Barstool is the only sports book that I can see that has those head-to-head matchups available, and Barstool does not let you parlay them. DraftKings, on the other hand, once they come out with their head-to-heads, you can parlay in there. And I've hit multiple parlays last year in F1 because, you know, just by taking the favorites. Um, now, Frank, real quick to, to kind of send us off here, what I typically do when I have NASCAR uh, people on to to talk is I do a full tank face off, and uh, the guest chooses two head to head matchups, and I choose one, and you know the person gets stuck with the other guy. Um, I think that we can take those three and turn it into a little full tank face off here. You can take Verstappen, I'll take Leclerc, uh, I'll take Norris. And you can take Ricardo because you, you, that's who you said, right? You wanted Ricardo yep. in that matchup. And then mm-hmm. you got Ocon versus Alonzo. So I'll take Alonzo. I'll put a little okay. graphic together and put that out there and see what we come back with. I'm, I'm uh, pretty good in the full tank faceoff. So we'll see uh, <laughs> if it turns out that way in F1 as well. So I, I like it. That's some good, uh, good head to head picks there. I like it. Sweet. I love it. Great. So then my final question, Frank, is. Um, trying to maybe swing some other people that are NASCAR fans into the F1 season. Cause we've got a lot, you know, just starting up a whole year ahead of us. Uh, obviously the, the drive to survive is something that would get people's attention. You know, if you follow that on Netflix, NASCAR's lacking in that sense, need something like that. I think a lot of people would agree, but my question is what's the race that you would say, 
to people like, yo, you got to watch this one. This is the one that would make you say, wow, this is fun. Is there one out there on the calendar on the schedule that F1 has? Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for night races. So, so am I <laughs> like, I'm a big fan, like the Japan race. I believe that's a night one. So I like that one a lot. Um, I I'd also say because it's new, maybe Miami would be fun. There's no, you know, there's no grounds for me to say that because I, no one's ever seen it yet, but I feel like that could be interesting because it is new. So you'd be one of the first, you know, you're enjoying history, I guess you could say. So um, I don't know when that takes place in the season, but that could be one, uh, you know, if you're a newbie that might interest somebody to see something that's never been seen before. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems like uh, a good, it's America. May, May 6th. So that's coming up. So like, wow, you know, it's not too late in the season where you miss a bunch of stuff. Um, and then I'm always a sucker for Monaco. I think that's that's such a sick race. Monaco is what I thought you were going to end up on. Yeah, um, I did watch that last year, and that was pretty cool. It's so. just, you know, that's a classic, a uh, lot of history. I do enjoy it. It's not a super, you know, racy race, but it's just the history there. It's just fun to see. Um, and the one hairpin turn so tr- uh, traditional. It's, it's just really cool. So yeah, Monica is a, a sweet one, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say that as someone who doesn't already enjoy the sport. Cause you're not getting, you know, the glitz and the glamor. Sure. That makes sense. All right. So the night race, Japan, Miami new this year in America and Monaco three races to kind of keep your eyes on. I will definitely be looking into that as long as you hold up your end of the bargain watching Coda this week, Frank. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to check in on it. So I'll let you know. I won't lie to you. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, Frank, I appreciate you coming on, man. This is great. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. And I always enjoy talking racing. So it's fun. All right. I'll see you. All right. Take care. So that'll do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks for listening. Remember, get those bets in early as we start off road course season. Let's see if we can cash in before we head to Richmond for short track racing next week. Remember, give the F1 race a look. See if we can make a little money on that before the NASCAR race. Drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time for Richmond. Place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.